Incarceration from the sermon series Justice Matters, spoken by Reverend Lawrence Atkins. All right, well, I have a, a great honor to introduce you, uh, our guest speaker. He has also become a real good friend and just grateful for meeting Reverend Atkins uh, a couple years ago when I started uh, attending the, our church's prison ministry. And um, we're very fortunate through Michael Hong, and he kind of in, introduced us to this ministry. And four times a year, our church, we get an opportunity to go and uh, go to uh, East Jersey uh, prison, and uh, we get to attend the Church of the Reconciles ministry. And I got to tell you, the first time I went, I really didn't know what to expect. Sua was telling me some things about what I should expect. Um, but uh, it blew me away, and it was really a deeply holy-like experience. And every time I go, there's something that always encourages me about these brothers. They are literally um, some of the most genuine people you'll ever meet, and uh, probably some of the most supportive people, too. And a couple years ago, when our church was kind of going through sort of, a, sort of a, a funk, if you will, there were some challenges and stuff. We lost some people, and and there was some financial challenges. I just kind of just briefly just shared that just very like as an illustration point in the sermon. And I was not prepared uh, to receive the kind of support that I received, not just directly after the service. They came, they prayed for us, being so supportive. But then what ended up happening was for a better part of about a year, Rev, uh, they started supporting us financially. And they started giving and tithing to our church which I could not believe. And uh, I, got, I don't know the grand total, but it was definitely in the thousands when it was all said and done. And Rev uh, was reminding us that these guys make on average about $1.37 a day. And they were supporting our church in that way. Uh, incredible people. If you ever get an opportunity to go with us, I do encourage you to make sure you fill out the paperwork. We'll give you an opportunity. Maybe do that even today. But Reverend Atkins is the man who, who just really serves his community. He's been serving as the supervisor chaplain of East Jersey State Prison uh, for the past probably 10 years. But he's been doing prison ministry for over 21 years. Um, he is a blessing. The ministry is thriving. He'll share a little bit about that with you as he comes up. Uh, he went to New York, uh, New Brunswick Theological Seminary, and he got his uh, doctorates there. But he also teaches there from time to time on a class called the Theology of Crime and Punishment. Pretty, pretty amazing. I'd love for you to teach that even here. In two weeks, he will be celebrating his 35th wedding anniversary. And he is going to be going to Alaska and Japan. So if you got any suggestions about where he needs to go and visit certain places, please let him know afterwards. Um, he's also, if you don't know, he's a professional photographer. And uh, he sent me a link, and I saw some of his photos. They were pretty amazing. He loves taking photos of landscapes and different things like that. They have a son, and uh, he is a, a real, real blessing uh, for our church. And on this topic of incarceration, there is nobody better who can speak on this topic than him. So Metro, let's give him a warm Metro welcome, Dr. Reverend Atkins. Listen, brother. Yes. Good afternoon, Metro. It is an honor and a privilege for me to be here with you all this afternoon. I feel like I, I'm a member of Metro. I'm, I'm, I have dual citizenship. <laughs> church of the Reconciled at East Jersey State Prison, I call my home church because that's where God planted me more than 10 years ago. 
Uh, and it is a church. It's not just a chapel service at East Jersey State Prison. It was incorporated on August 27th of 1979, and we have been thriving um, since we've been there. Uh, when I got to East Jersey uh, as a full-time chaplain 10 years ago, the average worship service on a weekend was 40 people. We're at 400 now. Uh, and that's by the grace of God. And these guys are coming because they realize that even in the midst of that darkness, there's yet hope. And that is what we constantly encourage them towards. And your presence there, Metro, does the same thing, but at a different level. Because they know that, yes, this is my calling, but they also know it's my job. Uh, But when you come, you come out of the goodness of your hearts and your concern for our brothers who are incarcerated in that facility. And they do not take that for granted. They recognize that you have families, that you have some time where you just want to be and decompress for yourselves. But instead of missing the worship services when Metro comes in, Metro is maxed out as far as the number of people on our temporary volunteer list. Uh, and there's a waiting list now. Praise the Lord. And, and we're looking forward for more of you coming. There is, when Metro started coming in, there was only one Korean brother in our congregation. One. There's multiple now. But when Metro came in and they greeted him in his native tongue, he broke down and cried. Because that was the first time in years. His family's still back in Korea, so he has no one here. But when Metro came and they shared with him, he broke down and cried and he has been just elated. And every time Metro comes in, they treat him as a genuine brother. And it's a wonderful thing to see. Um, the prison is a dark place. Dark. And you're discouraged from being the light of Christ in their midst. I've had my battles with some of the officers early on, but that's all water under the bridge. They leave me alone now, knowing that I am called of the Lord to do what I do, and I am not going to allow anybody to knock me off point. Um, it's lonely sometimes. Because as soon as you walk into the facility, the need begins to crush you. You have not only the people who are incarcerated there, but many of their jailers are also incarcerated. Because certain expectations that their peers have for them keep them locked up and locked down. It's been a blessing to be there because I tell the brothers there that if the Lord had not planted me in such fertile soil, I could not have grown the way I've grown over the last decade. And I would not trade what God has called me to for anything. I share with them also the saddest day of my life will be the day that God tells me to leave never to return. Because I love them like that. I love what I'm called to. I love what God is doing in our midst. I love what God is doing through you. And I encourage you, Metro, to continue to support the ministry there. Not only with with your, your prayers, but also your presence because your presence matters. We have ways of getting around the DOC rules for the number of people that can come in. (laughs) You learn a couple of things when you're in that environment for a little while. But I want to take your attention, my sisters and brothers, to the Gospel of Luke, the 23rd chapter. I'll read a few short verses, and then we're going to jump over to one more short passage. Gospel of Luke, 23rd chapter, beginning at the 32nd verse. And reading from the New King James Version, it reads as follows. 
There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. That's Jesus. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And jumping over to the book of Galatians, the second chapter, just a single verse, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I want to share from the the thought, the criminals with him. And the criminals with him. If I gave it a subtitle, it would be the community of the cross. In my estimation, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was the most heinous crime ever committed in the annals of humanity. Here he is, the son of the living God who came to take away the sins of the world, being executed, being murdered as a criminal because he had the audacity to challenge the status quo. What's the status quo? The religious leaders of his day who relished their position of authority over those that they subjugated. The Roman authorities, the conquerors who had taken over the land and allowed little leeway to those who opposed their rule of the iron fist. Jesus was labeled a criminal, and he was executed because of crimes they claimed he committed against them. Jesus came to die. And if the truth be told, sisters and brothers, the community of the cross is a community of death. Not necessarily physically, but death to self. Death to the world's idea or definition of who you are. Death of the things that you may hold dear that keep you from being all that God has called you to be. One of the enemy's major weapons against the people of God is division. Oh, you don't look like me. I can't worship with you. You don't think like me. I don't want to be bothered with you. You're not of the same socioeconomic class that I am, so I'm not going to lower myself by dealing with you. All of these artificial divisions that men and women have placed in positions that keep us from really coming to understand who we are, but more importantly, whose we are. My brothers and sisters, If you were on trial 
for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Is there enough in your walk that says to the world without you opening your mouth or flashing the Bible in front of them? Is there enough about you that says to the world there's something different about this individual? Is there something that sets you apart? And understand something, if you're set apart for the sake of Christ, then you're at odds with the world. You're now the enemy. Anytime light encounters darkness, the darkness must recede. It has to back up. But for those who dwell in the darkness, they don't want that to happen. They want to douse the light. They want to keep you from being who you are in Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, a lot of us help them by going undercover. Undercover Christians. We're Christians on Sunday, whether it's the morning service or the afternoon service, but Monday through Saturday, we don't allow our lights to shine anymore. We turn them off, or we put them under that bushel basket that Jesus talked about. But when it comes to incarceration, my sisters and brothers, we can't do that. Jesus was labeled a criminal, and he was crucified with criminals. Anytime you're considered criminal, the world considers you other. And if you're a criminal, many in the world think that whatever you have to endure from day to day, you've earned that. So you should just wear that. But understand something, my brothers. Jesus and the two criminals on the cross with him formed that first community of the cross. That was the first community of the cross. One of the criminals reviled him. If you be the son of God, save us and save yourself. The other one recognized that he was guilty as charged. And he also recognized that Jesus was the only way to be exonerated of that guilt. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus' promise was that today you'll be with me in paradise. We're all criminals. We're all people who stood in opposition to God at one time or another. But thanks be to God, he sent his son to wash us and clean us up. And my sisters and brothers, I'm seeing the same thing in this environment that we call the prison industrial complex. And what that is, is when government entities and businesses and lobbyists get together and they utilize the men and the women who are incarcerated in our nation's prisons as a source of cheap labor to maximize their profits and not have to share them with their employees. That's what we're talking about in a nutshell when we talk about the prison industrial complex. Let me give you a few little stats here that'll help you to understand what's going on here. The United States of America has 5% of the world's population, but it has 25% of the world's incarcerated population. 
the vast majority of people who are in prison are other, meaning black or brown. The fastest growing segment of the prison population in the United States of America is women of color, which is now twice as fast as the men of color who are already incarcerated. I meant, Pastor Peter mentioned it earlier, the average wage for a prisoner at East Jersey State Prison is $1.37 a day. A good job, electrician, plumber, pipe fitter, uh, mason, something of that nature, skilled trade. Good job, $4 a day. So if I'm a private entrepreneur and I'm bidding for a state contract, and I have to pay skilled labor, the skilled labor going rate, how can I compete with those who have an unlimited labor pool that you're paying a maximum of $4 a day? Understand something, my sisters and brothers. The enemy is not the New Jersey Department of Corrections. It's not. The enemy is not the administrator or the commissioner or the governor or the officers even that work in these facilities. The, the, the enemy are the principalities and powers that benefit from this. Ephesians 6.12 talks about that. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. That's the enemy. It's satanic, it is spiritual, and it is real. I see it every single day. When I walk into that place and I see these lines snaking through this facility, going to the mess hall or standing in the med line or going to the, the, the yard to, to work out, it breaks my heart because there's genius in this place. Genius. I'm not talking about people that are just a little slick with street smarts. I'm talking about straight up geniuses. But the world never sees that. How many of you sitting here right now have actually been at East Jersey State Prison with Metro's ministry? One, two, three, four. I see four. Four people. There's about 300 in here. My sisters and brothers, this, those that have been in already seen for themselves what's there. The work that God has done in our midst, despite the fact that the prison industrial complex is trying to keep these guys on lockdown because if they go home, it's cutting into their profit margins. And make no mistake about it, it's about profit. The Declaration of Independence says, just give me a moment. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creators with certain unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness. But you know what? When you go into that institution and you see an image like the one that's coming up here, does that look like somebody's pursuing life and liberty and a pursuit of happiness? Obviously, this image is older, but this is what we see. We see people who have given up hope. We see people who cannot function because they're not allowed to function. 
We see people who are mentally, spiritually, and emotionally on lockdown. So even if the doors open and physically they're free, they don't know what to do with themselves and they run back to environments like this. They're ill-equipped to deal with the world that they're going home to. So the comfortable thing to do is go back home. The prison industrial complex is an extension of the chattel slavery that held black people in, in slavery for so many hundreds of years. It also is an extension of the black codes which came into place after the, the Civil War where the southern states would come and they would make these crazy little laws that if any person of color broke them, they returned them immediately to a state of slavery. And this extension of Jim Crow, which is where people, even if the law didn't say that it was illegal, just because of the color of your skin, simple acts would make it illegal for you and again will allow you to go back and end up in a place like that in a chain gang, working for somebody else, increasing their profits at your expense. The prison industrial complex is the latest incarnation of that. If you look at the, the 13th Amendment, that many people still believe that it was uh, to allow people to go free, look at the clause here. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, this is where it gets you, except as punishment for crime where the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States nor any place subject to its jurisdiction. Which means that if you committed a crime, it's allowable for you to become a slave again. And that, my sisters and brothers, is the insidious nature of these principalities and powers. That's the insidious nature of the prison industrial complex. That is the clause that they use to keep people on lockdown. I was talking to one of the brothers during the break from the first service, and I, and I mentioned to him, it doesn't make sense. You talked about immigration as part of your Justice Matters series, correct? All right. Does it make sense for a person who's considered an illegal alien to be incarcerated? He does his, his time for whatever the crime was. It could be 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 40 years. And instead of them doing their time and being put on a plane and deported back to their home country to get a parole hit and be kept in prison longer? Wait a minute. You know you're going to deport them anyway. And because it costs $54,000 a year, roughly, to keep a person incarcerated in New Jersey, why would you give them a three-year parole hit? You just increased the cost to the taxpayer to keep that person in prison when you know you're going to send them home anyway. Prison industrial complex. How many of you, you know, I don't have to see your hands, but just think about it. Love Starbucks, hit McDonald's and Wendy's every now and then, shop at Neiman Marcus, got AT&T as your provider for your phone, uh, um, oh, Love Whole Foods. You don't realize it yet, my sisters and brothers, but if you shop at any of those places or you do business with any of them, you are contributing to the prison industrial complex. How? Because these companies utilize prison labor at anywhere from 83, 83 cents 
to whatever, you know, dollar fifty, two dollars a day for their labor. They use prison labor to make their products or to grow their vegetables or to package their products. The prison industrial complex is benefiting because you shop at those places. We shop at those places. We use those services. If you call a service center because you're having an issue with your phone, the vast majority of those that are answering the phones at these service centers are not people who are free. They're people who are incarcerated. They're given their script and they're taught what they need to say. And they do what they have to do. Because if they don't, there's going to be consequences. With all that being said, my sisters and brothers, what are we as people of God supposed to do with this new information we have? First of all, we have to challenge the status quo. When you know better, you should do better. If you don't know, then, well, okay, you can get a pass on that one. But when you do know, and you still do the same thing over and over and over again, there should be a righteous indignation among the people of God, knowing that our sisters and brothers who are locked in these prisons, I understand they're there for some heinous crimes. And the state has punished them with their sentences for those crimes. But when does the punishment cease? When does it stop? When are you saying to them now, okay, you've done the crime, you've done the time, now it's time for us to be reconciled. We, the people of God, are the ministers of reconciliation. We are called of God to reconcile with those who have been disenfranchised. But often, when people are released from prison, they have nowhere to go, they have no skill sets, nobody wants to be around them, even their own families shun them. But that should not be so for the people of God. Second Corinthians 5th chapter says that we are ministers of reconciliation. We are supposed to be the ones that will take that brother or that sister by the hand, and even if we don't take them into our own homes, lead them to the people who have the services available for them that they can get their feet back on the ground and never have to turn around and go back to that. That's what God is calling us to do. We need to be mindful of the fact that we are all criminals. We may not have done the same thing they've done, we may not have killed anybody or, or done anything crazy like that, but the bottom line is all of us have done things that offended God. And if God has forgiven us, why then can't we, we forgive those who have done these things? Let's understand something. It doesn't take much. I mentioned in the first service, I grew up very angry. I grew up like a little time bomb. And twice in my life, I nearly took men's lives, and I did not use a gun or a knife, I used my hands. People assumed that I was this quiet little bookworm. Used to be, I still am a bookworm. But I had so many things going on in my life as a child growing up that I became that little bomb that kept everything locked up inside until the person pushed the wrong button. And then there was an explosion. My point is, all of us have a backstory. All of us have something in our past that we're not proud of. And if God has forgiven us for whatever we've done, isn't it our task and our obligation to forgive our sisters and brothers who have made mistakes that landed them in prison and helped them to find their way back into a right relationship with the Lord? So I encourage you, my sisters and brothers, 
Take these things to heart. Look at what the word says about being ministers of reconciliation and become a minister of reconciliation. Don't continue just spiritualizing the things that Jesus says or that Paul says or any of the other writers of the New Testament. Don't just spiritualize them. Put them into action. Become not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Thank you. We have the worship team come on up, and if we can just bow our heads, and I don't know how that message uh, impacted you, but I hope it did. But how did God speak to you through that message? And um, it's a powerful word, and we need to stand in solidarity with even those who are in prison. And so can I just give you a moment just to kind of go to God and uh, connect with him and, uh, and see how he would speak to you even at this moment. So let's give you a brief moment to do that. truth is, you don't have to be in prison to feel like a prisoner. Some of us can relate to that statement. And as Reverend Atkins just said, that we're not too far away or too many steps removed from doing certain acts that might even lead us to prison because of our own brokenness. And so can I just give you just a moment for those in this room that might feel like maybe they're in prison? Whatever that might look like to you, I don't know, but God does. And um, for you to just go to God. And maybe your brokenness or you feel like you're in prison is a result of some very hard things that you've had to endure. But God's here and he would love to welcome you home. And so I just want to give you a moment to do that. you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, it's never been an opportunity, you decided never to do it, but somehow today you'd like to take that step of opening your heart to Jesus. Quietly where you are, would you just say this prayer to Jesus, Lord Jesus, I give and I surrender my life to you and I ask that you would forgive me for all of my sins. Wash me white as snow. Lord, help me to live my life with you and with others that believe in you in community from this day forward. The Bible says that if you pray that prayer, there's a celebration going on on your behalf in heaven because your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life, which is the book in which all people's names are that are followers of Jesus Christ. So God, would you just help us? Thank you that Reverend Atkins was here sharing with us that when he steps into prison, it is holy ground because you're there. And he's learned so much from these men. I've learned so much from them. Help us, God, to live and to love and care and serve and not take for granted the thing that we often take so granted, which is life. And we have it today. We have the victory in you. 
And so I pray, God, that you'll help us to live freely for anyone that feels like they're in prison today. I pray that you would set them free so they would be able to live the kind of life that you want them to live. So we thank you for this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, there's some next steps I'd love for you to take. So if you have a communication card, this is the time to just kind of flip it over. uh, Reopen your app if you did not do that. Uh, First one, if you pray that prayer, we call that the prayer to welcome Jesus into your life. Uh, If you pray that prayer, just check it off. Say, Peter, I committed my life to Jesus for the very first time. Then we would encourage you to go out to the uh, next table, which is like the new believers table. And one of our ministers will be there and they'd love to give you a new believers packet as well as you leave. This is a journey that you should allow other people to kind of walk with you in. You shouldn't do this alone because you'll never make it. And so I do encourage you to make sure you check that off. We'll be praying for you and we will try to reach out to you. Second, uh, please send me information on how I can apply and sign up for Metro's next prison ministry. So we do do it once a quarter. The next time we're going is in November. Uh, If you'd like to see if you could make it, I didn't know there was a waiting list, so I'm sorry I even put that on there. But if you'd like to be put on the waiting list, uh, just let us know. But there's a lot of forms you got to fill out. And so uh, Pastor Sunita will send that to you. If you're serious about joining us in November, we'll do our very best to get you there. We really will. We even tell the ones who come every time to not go. And I know their hearts would be broken if we told them that. But we would like to give more of the people of our church the experience of it. So if you'd like to, please send, uh, check that off. We'll get back to you this week on that. Third, I will engage prisoners in a pen pal ministry. If you're interested in writing letters, handwritten letters, or you can type it out and print it out, uh, please let us know. We'll get back to you with some more information on that. And then the fourth one, um, I will become a station of hope by contacting Dr. Harold Dean at info at healingcommunities.com. He's doing a special ministry to help folks as they re-enter into society um, to support them in, in any way. So reach out to them. Just say that, you know, you're, you, you heard Reverend Atkins preach, they're friends, and that you like more. And you can get on the website and learn more about this great organization. And then last thing, please sign me up for Connections Dinner on September 16th. Uh, it's an opportunity for you to get to learn a little bit more about this church. I said this in the first service. One of the greatest lies of the church community today is thinking that you can just kind of come, be a part of the church at some levels, and then just leave. Uh, God wants you to be firmly involved and connected to a community because we can't do this alone. And so I guess the question I have for you is that if you're just kind of an attender, that's fine. We don't, want, we don't pressure you to do anything. It's not what our culture is about here. But what's holding you back from giving fully to God? Because giving fully to God is you giving fully to a church community. What's holding you back from that? If you've been hurt in the past because of, the, of a church that's hurt you, I totally get it. But it's worth giving it another shot. I promise you. It really is. And so if you're interested in learning more about the church, uh, you'd like to come over and just learn a little bit more about Metro, just check that off. I'll come out to the Connections Dinner on the 16th. Um, if you've done that and you've taken the Connections Dinner and you're still kind of on the fence, I just would ask that you would really bring that to the Lord this week and ask Him, why are you not willing to give yourself fully to a church community? Because you giving yourself to a church community is giving yourself fully to God. It really is, right? Because Jesus Christ is the head of the church still today in the midst of all the flaws that the church has, he's still the head. He hasn't given up on it. Amen.